look at a concept that became very popular taught in the body of Christ uh, since the 1980s. Um, it was very popular in charismatic as well as prophetic teaching camps. Uh, it's, um, but very little has been taught on it to really explain it. I'm sure some have, but most of the body of Christ have been fairly ignorant of its meanings, and it's often been seen as a mystery to them. So can we have slide one, please? I want to talk tonight on the Shekinah. Um, who here has heard of this? Has some hands in the air? Okay, fair amount of people. All right. Okay, the Shekinah, and it's often referred to as the Shekinah glory of God. Uh, and of course, the definition there from the Hebrew is that which dwells. And of course, the presence of the Lord dwelling with us. But it means far more than that. Uh, to, to the surprise of many people, when you tell them this word is not found in the Bible. Ha ha, surprise. It's biblical Hebrew, it's Hebrew, but it's not found in the Bible. Very interesting. Uh, it's a non-biblical term. So let's take a look at this. Slide two, please. This is just if you want to write this down for your information. Uh, it does appear in four non-biblical writings. One is called the Targum. The Targum is an Aramaic Old Testament, and that was spoken by the Babylonian Jews. Uh, the other is in the Talmud. I'm sure you've heard that word. It's a book of Jewish writings and scholarly comments on something called the Mishnah. And then we have the Mishnah. The Mishnah is Jewish literature approximately 200 AD, maybe a little prior, which is, of course, many, many hundreds of years after the Babylonian <clears throat> exile when they returned. And then last in the Hadaka, which is a... Uh, more Jewish literature, approximately 1000 AD. Uh, so it does appear in all those writings, but not in the Bible. Okay, so if we can go just back to slide one uh, for a minute. There we go. As we see here, it says that which dwells. So the word Shekinah is used to describe the presence of God in the world. Also the presence of God in relation to Israel. Another way Shekinah is used is to describe the activity of God. That is the face of God, the hand of God. And the word is often used to show the very tangible presence of God among us. Okay, that's the basic. But it's very generic to us. Its expression is very much generic and only in general. It doesn't tell us a lot. It's like if I told you, hey, I have a car. I didn't really tell you much, did I? That's a very generic statement. Well, what kind of car? Is it blue? Is it red? Is it big? Is it little? Is it four-cylinder? Is it eight-cylinder? Do you like it? I didn't really say much about it at all. I, I gave you just very generic information. Likewise with Shekinah, it doesn't tell us a lot. It doesn't give us a lot of understanding just by its definition of what it means. Uh, although Shekinah is not in the Bible, you can see it all through the Bible. It's very easy to recognize when it shows up. Um, so that's the key, really, in understanding what Shekinah means. It's um, when we see it, we know what it is. And that's what we want to look at tonight a little bit. When we see this, to know what it is. I don't remember which Supreme Court justice, it might have been Berger, and I don't remember the exact quote, but um, he was doing something in a uh, brief regarding pornography, and he said, 
Um, I'll just paraphrase. I'm pretty sure I got this right. I can't define to you what the word means, but I know what it is when I see it. (laughs) That's pretty good. I think that's pretty good. El Shekinah is that way. It's very hard to define, but when it shows up, you got it. It's easy to spot. So let's look at tonight some several examples in scriptures, really easy uh, to understand. Uh, So let's look at the first most common use that people use in the Bible when they talk about the Shekinah glory of God. Uh, This is the one most Christians would recognize. Uh, In 1 Kings chapter 8, I'm looking at verses 10 through 12, it's the glory cloud in the temple. And it says in verse 10, and it came to pass that when the priests were come out of the holy place, that the cloud filled the house of the Lord, so that the priests could not stand to minister because of the cloud, for the glory of the Lord filled the house of the Lord. Wow. Then spake Solomon, the Lord said that he would dwell in the thick darkness. So here we have here, they're having a time of song and worship and uh, singing unto the Lord. They're ministering unto the Lord in song. They're, they're doing what they do in the temple. Uh, but here for the priests, they had to stop. The presence of God got literally thick in their midst as a cloud fell upon them. And it was very clear to them because all in the natural could see it where they had to stop what they were doing because the weight of God was so great they couldn't continue any longer. His presence has shown up. Now, you got to remember, this is not New Testament times, right? We have Holy Spirit dwelling in us, a much higher and much more important uh, presence of God for sure. But the uh, presence of the Lord was so important and so powerful to them, it could be seen in the natural very tangibly. So for years, uh, charismatic and prophetic teachers have always used these verses to illustrate when the Lord shows up. We have His presence is so thick. It can be like a cloud, so intense. People can't sing. They can't speak. They just fall upon their knees in awe and worship. And that is very cool. And that does happen. I think just this past Sunday, right? Pastor James, uh, he was worshiping. He just wanted to have a stop and uh, uh, sense the presence of the Lord. There was a weight if you want to call it, of the Lord's presence. Now, some people may say, I didn't feel anything. Others may have said, oh, wow, yeah, that was tangible. So it's perceived differently by a lot of people. But for certainly, he was leading us in worship, and that's what he felt was happening at the moment. And uh, it's something that some people just don't catch, and some do. But uh, that's just one example that happened to us very recently that you could call that a Shekinah came in our midst. Um, it has been taught to us that this is, is something of an experience we should desire to have to know that His presence is so strong among us. And I absolutely agree with that, no problem. The only caution we always have to remember is that this side of heaven we are meant to walk by faith. We're not to seek after signs and experiences that would tantalize our senses, senses and cause this to be the zenith of God's presence. That would be a wrong teaching, and that has been done in the body of Christ. If the experience comes, great. I would like to see it every time we're together. Great. But what we need to remember is, what do we learn from this? When the Shekinah shows up in our midst, what have we learned to this? What do we take away from this? That's what's important in our lives of the experience of it. 
So, uh, it, you know, something like this should produce change in us by how we live our lives in a deeper consecration to God. I mean, the Lord has shown up in my midst where my five senses even noticed it. Wow. That should be the true outcome of a changed life. Always. Uh, so, you know, what we want to do is, all of us, we don't want to look for another heavenly, uh, you know, goosebump. There are people who live for heavenly goosebumps. That then we would cease to walk by faith. That would be a big mistake. And yet, that's very common in a lot of the body of Christ. So, um, I don't make light of this. It's very real, very serious, and we want it. I just thought I was thinking a lot. I mentioned the Pastor Maureen, <clears throat> and she didn't quite remember too well, but that's okay. Back in the 90s, when we were here, one Sunday night, there was a speaker here. I don't know who it was. I don't remember. Everyone was around the altar. It was a Sunday night service, and the presence of the Lord was very heavy. It maybe is the best way to describe it. Very intense. There was nobody in the balcony. I looked up in the balcony, and there was a cloud sitting in the balcony. It wasn't humidity. <laughs> it was a cloud sitting in the balcony. Not real thick, but you can see it. There's its dimensions. There's a cloud there. And I remember looking at Pastor Maureen, I went, there's a cloud up there. <laughs> and she didn't even answer. She just went, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, either that, I interrupted her and bothered her at the moment, but whatever. I mean, it, it, like, wow. We never saw a cloud before in the balcony. And it, you know, as the night went on, it just dissipated away. That was a Shekinah experience for, for this assembly of believers here at that time, somewhere in the 1990s. I don't remember when. Um, but it doesn't have to be a cloud. Uh, the presence of the Lord can be incredibly strong. Um, I have heard many experiences of this. I have only seen it once. Uh, late 1970s, I was at a charismatic prayer gathering. They had many different churches there. Um, it was in Tom's River North High School auditorium. And they were closing the night out in prayer. And there was a Roman Catholic priest who was, their community was part of the whole night. And he was a charismatic priest. He spoke in tongues. And he wanted to close the night in prayer for us. And when he did, as soon as he started speaking, our heads were like real polite, all bowed. All of a sudden, all of us fell down. We it's like somebody didn't hurt me, but somebody grabbed me and pushed me. And the whole place went down like that. And you, you're like, oh, what just happened here? All of a sudden, the presence of God just showed up with a great weight of glory. And not, not everyone, but a lot of people were pressed into their seats momentarily by the presence of the Lord. That was a Shekinah experience. Um, I remember when they had the Brownsville Revival in the 90s. Uh, we, a lot of us went down to that to visit. And um, this was a testimony we had heard. This one pastor, I think he was Assemblies of God, I wasn't sure. Uh, he had gone there to see what this is like, and he didn't like it. Ah, this isn't God. This is a bunch of emotionalism. This isn't the Lord. So he goes, this is a true story. So he goes back to his church the next Sunday, and uh, he goes, I was just down there. Let me tell you, he did this with his hand. There's nothing to it. The whole congregation fell back out of their chairs. And then his church experienced revival <laughs> in a big time. Surprised him, although he may not have felt anything amazing what he brought back with him, according to the anointing of God. And that, that was that's, 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 that's a true story. Uh, pretty wild. And so it, it's a real thing. It's, it's definitely a real thing that has been coming, I, I believe, coming back to the body of Christ through the 20th century into, into today, of course.
But there's a lot more to this uh, regarding the Shekinah when we look at the Word of God. So let's take a look at this. First of all, we just looked at the glory cloud concept. The second one is to remember that any supernatural cloud appearing in the Bible is a type of Shekinah. So let's look at one example. Here in uh, Matthew chapter 17, here it is with Jesus. It says in verse uh, 1, six days later, Jesus took with him Peter and James and his brother John, and uh, they led them up on a high mountain by themselves. He was transfigured before them. His face shone like the sun, and his garments became like white light. And behold, Moses and Elijah appeared to him, talking with him. And then Peter, who often sticks his foot in his mouth, responded and said to Jesus, Oh, Lord, it's good that we're here. If you want to, we can make three tabernacles. Those are tents. We can make three tabernacles here. One for you, one for Moses, one for Elijah. And while he was still speaking, a bright cloud overshadowed them. With a voice from the cloud said, This is my beloved son with whom I am well pleased, listen to him. When the disciples heard this, they fell to the ground and were terrified. Yeah. Then Jesus came to them and touched them and said, get up, do not be afraid. Raising their eyes, they saw, uh, and they saw no one except Jesus himself alone. So what is this here in Jesus' ministry? This is a Shekinah experience for sure, where it shows up. Here um, in following verses, Jesus says, uh, well, he calls this a vision, but you have to remember all visions are Shekinahs, and the Bible is filled with them in recording them. But with this one, keep this in mind, we'll get back to this point here. Notice here Jesus' face shone like the sun, and his garments became white as light. Hold that thought, hold that thought. Okay, so another one is, uh, has to do with angels. Number three, anytime angels show up, you have a Shekinah experience. I would think so. I mean, they show up at the birth of Jesus where everybody can see them. They show up uh, at the Jesus' resurrection, obviously seen. When angels show up on the scene, a Shekinah is happening here. Now, in the Old Testament, when every time you see the expression, the angel of the Lord, that's a Shekinah. The angel of the Lord means Jesus showing up uh, before he was born in this world. In other words, the pre-incarnate Christ shows up as the angel of the Lord. Uh, so that is, you'll see all through the Bible, um, and uh, that's the Shekinah appearance happening. So there's so many of these Shekinahs in the Bible, we're not going to look at them all. There's a lot to mention, but I want to look at a few more of them here to give us a more of an understanding here of what we're looking at. Uh, some more common examples. Uh, Genesis chapter 3 and verse 24. So he drove out the man, uh, and at the east of the Garden of Eden, he stationed cherubim and flaming swords, which turned in every direction to guard the way to the tree of life. Well, anytime a cherubim shows up, which is a winged creature, because biblically angels don't have wings. Only the cherubim and the cherubim do. The only ones the Bible tells us. And are they literal, symbolic? I don't know. I didn't see one. But uh, only them are noted to be winged creatures. And um, here they have flaming swords. The flaming swords, the cherubim showing up, uh, are all Shekinah experiences. Now, remember we talked about Jesus here. 
uh, transfigured before them. His face shone like the sun. I mean, I don't know if you've noticed, but you don't look at the sun. You're going to regret it. Ah, my eyes. Uh, you couldn't look at him. Uh, became as white as light. Heavy stuff. So we see here, likewise, we have the Exodus stories. Here we have Moses at the burning bush. That he's meeting Jehovah God, the pre-incarnate Christ. That's a Shekinah experience. Then later, Moses goes up uh, to the mountain to see God, and he comes back, and his face is shown. It's shining when he comes down from the mountain after he met God, just like with Jesus' transformation here, transfiguration. In uh, Exodus chapter 34, we see, and it came about that when Moses was coming down from the Mount Sinai, and the two tablets of the testimony were in Moses' hand as he was coming down from the mountain, that Moses did not know that the skin of his face shone because he's of his speaking with him. So Aaron and all the sons of Israel uh, saw Moses. Behold, the skin of his face shone, and they were afraid to approach him. Yep. Verse 33. Then Moses had finished speaking with them, and he put a veil over his face. But whenever Moses went in before the Lord to speak to him, he would take the veil off until he came out. And whenever he came out, he spoke to the sons of Israel what he had been commanded, and the sons of Israel would see the face of Moses, and the skin of Moses' face shone. So the Moses would put the veil back over his face until he went in to speak with him. Wow. So just like with Jesus' transfiguration, Moses also has the same experience. In other words, a visible Shekinah happened where uh, the glory of God was left in a manifestation upon him. Just like with Jesus at the transfiguration, a glory was left on Jesus or came upon Jesus. And um, it was noticed by all who saw it. These are all Shekinahs. Uh, now, remember, uh, in the wilderness, they had the tabernacle that went in the wilderness. And uh, when the tabernacle went out, it had both clouds and fire. Clouds covered in the daytime so they wouldn't bake in the desert. And fire was there in the evening to keep them warm in the desert. Because I think some of you know in the desert, during the day, it can be over 100 degrees. And at night, it can be in the 30s. I have seen that. <laughs> it's called Arizona. And... Uh, one day it was 106. I didn't even know it. It was so hot and so dry. It felt like it was in the 90s. It was 106. And the next morning when I got up, my car was covered with frost. And in about a half hour, everything's gone. Not even dew. Everything is gone. The sun just ate it all up. And I'm like, wow, this is different. So yeah, uh, the, these things happen in the desert. <laughs> well, anyway, here in the desert, we see here, because uh, the fire at night, of course, would keep them warm. The, 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 the fire from heaven, so that they wouldn't be freezing in uh, the desert. So anyway, here in Exodus chapter 13, verse 21, we have the tabernacle in the wilderness, and it says, the Lord was going before them in a pillar of cloud by day. In other words, follow that cloud or we bake. So they have to constantly be under the cloud. And when the cloud stopped, they stopped. So cloud by day to lead them on the way, and a pillar of fire by night to give them light so that they might travel by day and by night. How about that one? I guess when it goes dark, they still travel a little bit. That is a Shekinah of God showing up. So I guess you see how this works? 
This is supernatural stuff. This stuff you, you can't go buy at the, at, at the local hardware store. This is a supernatural manifestation of God happening. But there's more to it. Let's go back now to the New Testament. Those who remember uh, the Apostle Paul, before he was Paul, his name was Saul, and he was not a nice guy. He was very devoted to seeing Christians arrested and killed. I'm not going to read the whole, whole account here, but this is a Shekinah account. Acts chapter 9. Now Saul, still breathing threats and murder against the disciples of the Lord, went to the high priest and asked for letters from him to the synagogues in Damascus, so that if he found any belonging to the way, that's what they call Christians back then, the way, uh, whether men or women, he might bring them in shackles to Jerusalem. Now as he was traveling, it happened that he was approaching Damascus, and suddenly a light from heaven flashed around him, and he fell to the ground. It doesn't say he was knocked off his horse. We all believe that, but it doesn't say that. He fell to the ground, and he heard a voice saying to him, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And he said, who are you, Lord? And he said, I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting. Ooh, got Paul's attention real quick. This is a Shekinah experience. So we have glory clouds showing up. You got visible manifestations of fire. We have angelic visitations, all examples of the Shekinah of God. Now, have you ever considered, because there's some commonalities in here, if you've been spotting this, have you ever considered that light is used in the Bible as a Shekinah? The concept of light. How about that? Let's look at this a little bit further back here. In Genesis chapter 1, verse 3, you know this. Then God said, let there be light, and there was light. How about that? We assume a lot from this, and we'd be wrong. I remember one time I was at a 7-Eleven, this guy had this shirt on, and God said, let there be light. And there was this big physics equation. He was a physicist. I thought that was cool. I wanted that shirt, but I don't know where he got it. Anyway, God said, let there be light, and there was light. We've got to be careful here. It wasn't until verse 14 on the fourth day that you had the sun and the moon and the stars created to give light. When God said this, there was no sun and moon and stars. So this light here in verse 3 is the very presence of God, dispelling the darkness. A Shekinah. So right off the bat, Genesis starts out with a Shekinah of God showing up. Now, if we take this a little further and we go to the Gospel of John in chapter 1, verse 14 about Jesus, it says, the Word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we saw, we saw His glory. Glory as the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. How about that? So Jesus' life, what he did in deed, deeds, Jesus' glory shines. It's a Shekinah. And we see it again in the book of Revelation, which we're not going to turn to. John uh, sees Jesus, uh, the resurrected uh, Jesus with the uh, glorified body, as basically the same way, shining. The same exact thing. Then Jesus tells us here in John chapter 8, verse 12, I am the light of the world. The one who follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. That is more Shekinah talk. And here we see that slight thing again. Now, as we have to consider here, 
When Jesus spoke, what attracted people to him? Light attracted them. Light illuminated their hearts and their minds when he spoke to cause them to believe. As he spoke, they saw the light of God coming through him. It wasn't just Hank Williams who saw the light. Nobody listens to country music. Got it. Okay. Forget it. All right. Never mind. I have a whole story about that, but never mind. Anyway, uh, so here we have Jesus, the light of life. Now, Jesus goes on here in Matthew chapter 5 and says, you are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden. What? He now calls us light. This isn't just a metaphor. He now calls us light. We are a living Shekinah wherever we go. You got to get this. Because of the Word of God we carry in us and Holy Spirit, we are a light walking around, carrying the light of God. This is heavy. We are a living Shekinah wherever we go. Let's keep reading. Verse 15, nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket. Of course not. But on the lampstand, yes. So it can give light to all those that are in the household, of course. Verse 16, your light must shine before people in such a way as they may see your good works and glorify your God who is in heaven. Wow, how about that? Our light is meant to be seen. I was just watching the folks out. I, I love watching them at, and on Wednesday at the food pantry out here. I'm amazed at all the cars that come and people needing food. And uh, of course, these people, you know, who give the food out, they're very loving, wonderful people. You know, they don't say, oh, you're back again, huh? We don't talk like that to them. I mean, they're really loving, sweet people sharing the love of Christ with people who come for food. And they are really showing the love of Christ. The light of Christ shines through them. And we've had so many testimonies of people who have broken down, wanted prayer, needed prayer, received prayer, and how they've touched their lives in a great way. They're doing just like Jesus said here, your light must shine. Well, it, it is. They do a fine job of that, an immense job. And of course, people's lives are touched. Um, but we really got to get this. I got more heavy comments to tell you, so hold on to your panties. This is some heavy stuff. Hold on real tight. So, Shekinah then means something far more than this presence of God that shows up, which it does, of course. It means something far more to us as believers. We tend to only think of Shekinah as some supernatural event that shows up. It is, but there's far more than that. We are called light, and we are walking Shekinahs in the spirit realm. So, um, this really means now something to us as believers when we use the word Shekinah. Wherever we go, the Shekinah goes. The glory of God goes where you and I walk. You may not look any different in the natural, but it's there in the spirit realm. That means when you walk into a room, the Shekinah just walked into the room, in the spirit realm. That's why people who don't want God and don't want the light and don't want to walk in truth don't want you. You repel them. Those who do want God gravitate towards you because they want the God light that you bear coming out of you, that they, they don't understand with their minds. 
They don't understand it, but they want it. So in the body of Christ, you and I are walking Shekinahs in this world. This gives us a whole new purpose and meaning of who you and I are. Because we tend to too much look at ourselves by the way the world, by the way churches have taught over the centuries. Well, you're a bug. Thank God you got saved. You'll go to heaven. No, I got translated into a new kingdom. And when I did, I'm now a walking presence of God wherever I go. It has nothing to do with me that I'm so special, but God would use such an imperfect vessel to be a walking Shekinah of God. Um, gosh, there's the true story of, anybody remember the story or heard of it, of Charles Finney in the 1800s. Uh, Charles Finney was a great evangelist. Charles Finney led thousands to Christ, but he used to spend nobody knows how many countless hours in prayer in the presence of the Lord. And the true story in the latter 1800s, he had, I don't know why he went to this factory. It was a small factory. I don't even know what they made. But he had come out of the woods and um, from, from, I think, a whole night in prayer. And he had walked into the factory and everyone looked at him, stopped, stared at him, left their machines and fell to their knees and called out to God. Wow. That's a Shekinah. That's, he brought the presence of the Lord into, and he probably was not even aware of it. He brought the presence of the Lord into the room, and people started repenting over their sinfulness. Ah, amazing. Wow. So that also tells us as we grow in our intimacy in the Lord, and we should, we are growing in the degree to which the glory that God has given us will shine. That's why when there's opportunities for prayer, opportunities to sit under the presence of the Lord, we have what, the Kairos night, I think the last night of the month, last, the fourth Friday of the month, uh, uh, available for a time of prayer soaking. Take advantage of that if you've never been to one of those. That's a time for your light to start to shine. So you may leave thinking, oh, I don't feel any different, I don't look any different, but something's happening. Something's happening. And when the Spirit of God starts to move, in his presence, in, the, in, in his prophetic timing, in the days of the earth that we live on, uh, those who have been with Jesus are going to be very noticed. There's been many, many prophecies uh, that I, I've heard over the years from many, very different people, and I think they're very all correct. Uh, when this shows up, those of us who have been with the Lord will be known. And it's not to praise us, not to uh, make us feel like we're hot shots. That's not the point of this. But the Lord wants to use his people. And those that have taken the time to be with him in prayer, empty their lives, uh, die to self, die daily, seek his presence. All I want you, Lord, and you only. I don't want what you give me. I want your presence. Those people God remembers. And when the anointing of God comes forth, and it will, You'll be walking in food markets and people will be falling at your knees asking you how to get saved. And you're looking and go, huh? It's amazing. Things are going to be happening in these days ahead. We don't know when that is, but things will be happening in these days ahead. From those who have been in the presence of the Lord, they're going to be revealed. The sons of God are going to be revealed. So continue holding on to your panties. We can take this much, much further than what, we, what we've seen tonight in the Old Testament. We see in the Old Testament that it tells us God is clothed in light. I think it's in the Psalms. In other words, he wears light as clothes. Adam and Eve, before they sinned, they were in his likeness, right? 
and they, uh, before they sinned, they didn't notice, but all of a sudden when they sinned, they noticed they had no clothes. What clothes were they wearing that they noticed now that are gone? Most likely they are clothed in light, just like God is clothed in light. They were in the glory of right standing with God, which we not, cannot comprehend with our minds. And sin removed that. What do we have here? Jesus is a light bearer. Jesus calls us to be light, calls us to be light bearers. Consider when Jesus rose from the dead, he was able to walk through walls with a glorified body. How is that possible? We, in this past century, we've come to understand light a lot better than what they had for, for centuries prior. It's some form, of, this is just an opinion of mine, some form of radiation we cannot understand. Because on the light spectrum, radiation means light that moves so fast, it goes through solid objects. Thank you for those who don't know physics more than me. It goes through solid objects. That's how Jesus can walk through a wall, because light can do that. When Jesus returns one day, it says in the Word of God, all eyes will see him. Well, it's a big planet. Yeah, in all 24 time zones, if you come back at the speed of light, everyone sees him at the same time. Light, once again. Amazing. Uh, in the book of Revelation, we see him in his glorious state as he is. And, we're, and we are, here's the panty, hold your panty sign, we are one day promised with glorified bodies. How about that? One day we will wear light. This is beyond our comprehension. Just like as Jesus had when he rose from the dead, we get light bodies. This is wild. How was Jesus brought back from the dead? If you, re, if you receive the Shroud of Turin, those of you who know what it is, it's a photographic negative on cloth, only caused by light burning that image. How about that? Isn't that wild? And only a burst of light could cause that stone to be blown away from the tomb that Jesus could come out. That is a Shekinah at the resurrection of Christ. What does Jesus tell the women who come to the tomb? Don't touch me. Why come they can't touch him? If he is glowing with a radioactive light, they can't touch him. That's a Shekinah. I'm not odd here. I'm serious. God is not um, keeping from us the truth of Scripture as light comes to us to understand it better. A light more and more. This is all Shekinahs here. So tonight, the whole point of what I would try to bring tonight what to walk away with is that um, we, leave to hear, we need to leave here knowing that we are light bearers. You've got to see yourself different from the way the rest of this world sees you. This world lies to you every day, tells you have no value, you have no worth. If you come to know Christ as your Savior, you are translated out of the dominion of darkness to the kingdom of his light in his beloved Son. You're different. You may not look different, but you're different. Something has happened in the spirit realm. And as you pursue the Lord, what's in the spirit realm starts to come out through the natural realm. And you are now walking as light. We got to stop talking about ourselves the way the unsaved world thinks about themselves. You are light. We have to start thinking of ourselves as God thinks about us, as he reveals in his word what we are. I am what he says I am. I have to start talking about myself that way that we are now light bearers to this generation that we live in uh, for the light of Christ. And in our prayers, we are bearing light. That's why prayer intercession is so important when the body of Christ is invited to prayer. 
Take advantage of it. You are a light bearer bringing your light. Um, how we live our lives in front of others, where the glory starts to manifest. How we, we speak in his name, how we speak his word. We are living as light bearers, Shekinah light bearers of the master. It's got to change the way we think. It's got to change the way I see myself. It's got to have us realize the Lord has placed an incredible importance on us. It doesn't matter if nobody else tells you that. You don't need anybody else's opinion. You are approved by him. And we need to, you know, realize how beautiful the body of Christ is. As it says in Romans, blessed are the feet of them that bring good news. Those little piggies in your shoes are gorgeous. They, we are light bearers of the King. So tonight as we close here, uh, it's a simple message. We need to believe what God says about us, that we are light. That means we have to stop doing things in life and hanging around things in life that are darkness. It's not our inheritance. Why am I hanging around darkness for? Why am I allowing things of, of, that are dark to come into my life? They don't belong there. I'm a, I'm, I'm a carrier of light, the light of the gospel. Uh, we have here his presence in this world through us. Paul tells us uh, that we only see through a mirror dimly. As much as we can understand this, we don't quite see it all that clearly. We still see in a mirror dimly. My pea brain still can't figure out the infinite, but God reveals it to us, and it's something we catch inside of us. And the importance that you have in this generation with all those that you come in contact with. Let's close here with 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 9. Jay, could you come up, please? 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 9, and Paul and it says to us, Just as it is written, things which eye has not seen and ear has not heard, that which has not entered the human heart, all that God has prepared for those who love him. That's, that's a verse to meditate on. What has the Lord prepared for me who loves me? You know, folks here might be experiencing very difficult things in life. Don't make light of it. It's serious. But you need to be delivered from them. God needs to set you free from them so that you serve him unhindered. That you walk around as the light bearers you are supposed to be, unhindered. Now, as J.L. was playing that last song in worship time, which I thought was a wonderful worship, the last song, I was like, you know, I thought the Lord was telling us to come and hear that one more time. If you would come to the altar and just bathe in the presence of the Lord. You don't have to do it with your head. Just, just experience what the Lord would do for you tonight. I believe a lot of people today would walk very different if they come here to receive something tonight from the Lord. Just please come up to the altar. You can stand, kneel, sit, doesn't matter. Just come up and let our sister lead us in song and just drink in what the Lord would have for you tonight. You don't have to figure it out with your head. Just say, I receive it. I want that in my life tonight. That's all I was supposed to do, invite you up. Didn't know that before I came out here. But just as she did that last song, I knew you were supposed to be invited up. So sister, why don't you just minister and let the Spirit of God do the rest. As for me, love's like a hurricane. I am a tree bending beneath the weight of his wind and mercy. When all of a sudden I 
afflictions eclipse my glory and I realize just how beautiful you are and how great your affections are for me and oh tonight any holes on these people's lives holding them back from their light shining we break addictions tonight in the name of Jesus we break despair tonight in the name of Jesus we break depression we break poor self-image that people have of themselves in the name of Jesus be broken tonight over the people here I speak hope to those that feel they have no hope tonight may faith rise up to believe. May faith rise up to hold on to and grab the presence of the Lord tonight. Lord God, touch these people in the name of Jesus, I ask. For it is for freedom that Christ has set us free and never again to be entangled to a yoke of bondage. We thank you, Father God, for the light of Christ now that comes to free us from what has held us back, from what to free us from what has been oppressing us. In the name of Jesus, we call this oppression to be gone in the authority of the name of Jesus. We release light tonight. We release hope tonight in the folks here. That Lord God, uh, they would leave here tonight, Father, with a new hope, a new vision, a new uh, awareness, Lord God, of your love for them, Father. The love that sets us free 
from the yoke of bondage. Sister, just one more course of that. instructed me to have uh, our sister here close us in prayer tonight. Well, Dad, we just thank you right here and right now because your mercy and your grace are resident. We say your Shekinah is here and present. Your glory is being released <laughs> now into each and every one of us. And then we become those carriers of your glory that gets sent forth. We decree and declare right here, right now, that this is a place of your glory. And we thank you for that. We thank you, Lord, that your glory resides on us and in us, through us, and shines out of us this night and forevermore. We release that now and we say, we are yours, Lord. We are yours, committed, wholehearted. Just, 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 whew. Did you guys just feel that weight right there? As you release yourself to the Lord, the weight of his glory comes. He says, this time and this season, I'm releasing my glory on you as you release yourself to me. Thank you, Lord, that we're getting smaller so that you're getting bigger. <laughs> in Jesus' strong name, we just go in the light and the love of the Lord right here and right now. And we thank you for what you're doing in and through us in Jesus' strong name. Ted, amen.